Welcome to Detox with D-Rich, where we talk and learn from inspirational members of our community and beyond. Now, from the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, a man that is more perspiration than inspiration, your host, Derek Richards. Welcome back, everybody. This is Detox, the podcast about local celebrities and stuff and great things happening in Manhattan, Kansas. And I am just so thankful to have you here taking your time, taking a detox from your day to enjoy uh, this, this podcast. And uh, we have uh, probably one of my favorite people in the entire world. And he is not good at taking compliments. Uh, Keith Eyestone. I was trying to put in a nickname there. Keith the 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 Steel. No. No. The DJ. No. Say hi, Keith. Hi. How you guys doing? Keith Eyestone is um, a real estate agent in the Alliance Realty Office, but he has also been a Manhattanite for a very long time, and uh, one of the. One of the people in this world that if you're just around, you are you're happy, you're laughing, and you're usually um, you're usually having a good time. So hey, thanks for all you do, Keith, to make the world a brighter place. Well, thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah, uh, you know, We're, did you want to do it? Sure, to help you out, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all right. I don't mind talking. I'm kind of a kind of a show off. Kind right, of that's a, yeah, because you got have, lots of talents. I'm kind of vain sometimes. When things are so in, nice. in what way? Why? Why would you think you're vain? Well, uh, well, because you're so cool. No, because some of the jobs that I've done, and then you know, and singing, and school, and you know, being on the stage, kind of like what you've done. Uh huh. So you know, it's, there's kind of a little show off there in me. You know, I wish I could sing. Well, you probably can. I, I, there was a time in my life when I was auditioning for, uh, to try to get into a master's program in Kansas City at UMKC. And I took, I took voice lessons for like the first time in my life. And yeah, I learned that you could, you know, use your diaphragm and, you know, change your voice and hit notes and everything. But, but then, you know, there's just like the people like you that are probably just born with perfect pitch and just (laughs) able, able to hear notes and everything. I'm a... That's well. Not, I don't have perfect pitch. Let's put that out there. I don't okay, but uh, I'm a good. Uh, I feel I'm a good uh, choir member, chorus. I'm not a soloist at all. I've tried it. I've sung in weddings, uh, solos and weddings and stuff like that in the early years. In the, you know, after college and in college, uh, for all my friends. But then I decided uh, that I'm better in a chorus, and. Um, if I have a good singer who has perfect pitch on my right or my left or behind me, I'm good. Just uh, going to ask you to eat the mic a little bit, Keith. Just a little bit closer. There you go. You're yeah. good. So, so anyway, so that's um. So without, I'm not a I'm not a soloist. I'm a good choir member. So <laughs> did you you've done the quartets though, right? Yeah, I was in. Um, let's see, the Streetside Quint- Quintet that was started by Peter and Mark Kaler. Uh, they were like a year or two behind me in high school, but they had the original group of their classmates. But then 
there was a second group of street side quintet Wait, quartet. Go ahead. Is that a tribute band? That the second the second group were they trying to no. mimic you guys because you were the original? No, I wasn't the original. No, because some of the original members graduated high school, graduated college, and they uh, moved on. So they were continuing to sing around Manhattan and uh, doing shows. So uh, they asked me. So I was in there. I probably sang with them a good four or five years. Baritone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we would sing, you know, I don't know. The classics? Well, it was a doo-wop. Doo-wop, a cappella, you know, things like that. And then we uh, we always sung, sang? Sang. At the uh, Kansas State Fair in Hutchison. Yes, and uh, I remember performing Pops Choir exactly, there. Exactly, so did we, yep. Pops Choir, and uh, you know we made you know fifty dollars each. You know, we were we were he- <laughs> big bucks. Yeah. Uh, we were heading to the uh, the state fair, and it was my first time ever being there. And uh, we we were in high school, and I'm sitting next to my my wife on the bus. And um, we are, we're going to it and like, I'm like asking like how, this is the state fair, like how many people are going to be here? I think at that time they always pull in like some big celebrity or whatever. Um, like, you know, I even heard like Britney Spears or something like that. It came to Hutchinson one time. Wow. Well, maybe somebody, maybe, maybe someone not that big, but the point of the story is uh, Corey was, I was like, so how many people are we going to be performing in front of? And she's like 50,000. And I was like, What? And I believed her. <laughs> it was not fifty thousand. No, <laughs> it was a nice, yeah, nice probably two fifty scattered grandmas just enjoying the day because right. we had the one thirty time slot or whatever. Yeah, but we gave it all we could. Of course, show must go on. That's right. Well, that's cool. And you're still performing. You're still in the. You're still in a choir right now, church choir, and oh yeah, I and like, men's I, choir. I love my church choir. Um, I like singing the hymns and the anthems, and then um, then about four years ago, I joined the uh, Little Apple Barbershop Course. The barbershop, yeah. So uh, that just you know keeps my instrument toned, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, fun. So we're always looking for new members. We need we need first tenors and baritones. But I can't sing. That's all right. I can't. Maybe some of your listeners would like to join. Yeah, all five of them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yoo-hoo. Okay. All right. Uh, COVID probably has stopped the the choir, the the men's choir a little bit. Yes, it did. It did. We just would have Thursday meetings when we always met anyway. So over the last, those last 18, 19 months, we were, you know, everybody was Zoom. Wait, singing Zoom? No. Okay. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. No, we didn't do that. We just met Uh as a group, talked about things, uh, just uh, and listened and looked at YouTube videos and just uh, things like that. That wasn't a very long meetings, but, you know, it was something that we needed to do so people wouldn't lose interest. Mm -hmm. And, like, the group stuck together, you know, through that whole thing. Now we're back. And we're practicing again in person. Next show is going to be this coming Tuesday, which I do believe is June 29th. Where? Oh, McCain? No, Tuesday nights in the city park is oh. Municipal Band Night. Let's go. And the uh, chorus, predominant, not predominantly, historically, has always sung with the band uh, 
and we do Battle Hymn the Republic, and then we we sing that with the band, and then we do uh, two songs on our own down there. At seven thirty it starts, so uh, come on down. I don't know if it's not raining, you know, or whatever, <laughs> and uh, and and then you could hear us, and then maybe get, maybe get some interest to get some people to join. Man, I've I've seen it. You guys put on a pretty good show. Thanks. It's uh, it's our first. Man, it's the first thing for since you know Time 19, 20 months ago. Get back in the saddle. Get, yeah. Get your tune your tune your instrument. Exactly. Uh, so let's go back in time a little bit. So you were were you born in Manhattan? Uh, I was born in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Ah. And we lived there two years while my father got his doctorate um, at the University of Wisconsin, Madison, and then. Um, Moved to Manhattan in 64, so okay. been here f- 57 out of my 59 years. And you've, you've, you've had a, a very big career. You've, you've done so many things. You've, <laughs> you were a high school uh, football all-star, all-American. Is that right? No. No, okay. But I did, I did play football <laughs> at Manhattan High. I just say that because Keith is a big uh, MHS football uh, supporter. Yeah. Yeah, got a big golf tournament coming up. Yeah, got that coming up, and um, you know I coached after. You know I played, and then went to K State, and then I was going to. I got my degree in secondary education, mm-hmm. and so probably in 1984, I asked uh, Coach Lane if, uh, or he asked me if I would like to think about becoming like a student. Uh, when I was doing my student teaching and stuff like that, position coach, yeah, like to help out with the program. Because uh, who did, who did you take care of? Well, on I, the practice field. Well, it was freshman. I started in '85 coaching while I was still in college because it took me a while to get through college, and we could talk about that if you want. Um, <laughs> anyway, did so they, they did they, that? Did they have pads back then? Yes, they did. Yes. Um, so '85, I, I, I started coaching with the freshmen, and. Uh, and they would help out on Fridays, uh, on the, on the uh, game day Fridays with the varsity. But predominantly, it was all freshmen. And, you know, we had good teams, and it was fun. And I liked being around the program because Butch Albright and Lou and Coach Green and Coach Gritton and Coach uh, Morgan. And there was, you know, Coach Dillon, Coach Yancey. All these guys were there when I went to school, you know, in the 70s. And so being around them. It's cool. As a, as a peer, was neat. It was, so were the eighties the glory years, or you know what were the best years for Manhattan High football? I think you know I think they won a championship in sixty one, maybe some. There was a state championship back then because there was four classes. So we haven't won a state. We haven't no, won. A, no, no, we have. But then, um, and then we were always good. I mean, we were good. Yeah, um, I can't really speak because I didn't watch the '60s or the mm-hmm. '50s, but I think we were really good back then too. The '70s were good. We won um, 1975. Uh, they won the state championship, okay, against Bishop Miege here in Manhattan, Kansas. Okay, went to that game. Uh, my brother Dan was a junior on that s- squad. Um, Backup, uh, signed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, offensive lineman, and okay, then, and then. And then um, I do believe we've been in the 80s when when Lou became head coach 
in 70, actually Lou became head coach in like 78, 77. They were building. And then I think in 85, you know, they played in the state championship game against Lawrence. So from like 85 to geez, all the way up through into the 90s, uh, Manhattan High were predom- uh, perennial playoffs. Okay. Getting through the playoffs, playing in championship games. They won the championship game. They played an 88 championship game lost and then won it in 89. Nice. So I think we've won. Were you were you on the coaching squad every time? Anytime we got? Uh, in 88, I was there. <laughs> 89, uh, you weren't there. 89, um, I, uh, I uh, had to... Uh, <laughs> What I want to say here, <laughs> I, I had I had graduated right college took me seven years, uh-huh. and I was uh, substitute teaching. I was still DJing in Aggieville. That's right. I was coaching football, and I think I was even doing in the summertime uh, working for the Parks and Rec Department uh, ball field maintenance. Okay. With uh, and so uh, living at home. As a 28-year-old, 27-year-old, <laughs> and I... Just, Thank you for your transparency. Yeah, so I started to feel kind of like, you know... Need to find the career. Yeah, and I was, I, you know, no one was, no one was... I went on some interviews for teaching, you know, throughout the year, last couple of years, and no one hired me. So I got, I need a change, had a friend who was working in Winter Park, Colorado, and so this is when I was, you know, in 88, but then I decided I need to get out and do something completely different. And I like Colorado, I like skiing. So he got me a job out there for the 89, were 1989. You, were you a trainer or did you take people on ski school or no. did you run the, the lifts or something? No, I just worked retail in the town of Winter Park. Okay. Sold sweaters and parkas and ski pants and I don't know. That was good, about Good it. times. But it was, it got me out of... Feeling like, you know, here I am mm-hmm. at home, stuff like that. So so how long were you out in Winter Park? Just the one season. And okay. It, and during that one season is when Manhattan High won the state championship. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, but then the next year they played in it again. I mean, so I, I came back uh, because uh, that's when my friends uh, asked me to uh, be their partner in the uh, bar in Aggieville. In, in 1990? Yes. Okay. And what bar were you a part of, Keith? Uh, it's called Snookies. It was a dance club. It was located above the Brothers Tavern in Aggieville, uh-huh. which um, it was called at one time the Cavalier Club back in the day. And then... Bef- and then Was that a membership club? That was... Well, Like no. you had to have a membership to get into? No. Or? I don't think I, when the I, when the alcohol laws changed or whatever. No, I think this was a this was a club where you bought a you bought a punch card. They, they sold yeah. a card. Yeah, that's the no, membership no, club. That's not no, it's not. That's that. different. I think it's different. It was because this was like you would you would bring your setup, you'd bring your coke, your ginger ale. <laughs> and then they had booze upstairs. They had a cork fee and then for they, your ginger ale. I don't know. And then you punch your card every time you you bought a drink or you bought it prepaid. You know, and then they punch your card. Anywho, I have a feeling this didn't last very long. And I think it was. You can get some other people on the podcast that are older <laughs> than me, and they can tell you. <laughs> anyway, that was Cavalier Club at one time, and then it was Mannequins, 
when I was in college, and then it was also called the Avalon when I was in college. I love this because I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. And then, uh, <laughs> and then before well, it burned down, right? Oh yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's then, way down. Yeah, and well, uh, not that far. Ninety seven. 96? 96, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, 95, 96. So anyway, so we we, 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 uh, we found this place upstairs. It was what was happening at the time that we took over. It was a high school dance place. Venue? Venue in, and, and, in Aggieville. And did you, you guys hosted no. ba- bands as well, right? Well, we did. When we turned it into the nightclub, the d- discotheque that we had, we had rock and roll bands or just whatever bands during the up there too. High school dance club? We did, did not have that. Did you say that? Did, yes. You just said you did. No, we did not do that. That's when we took over. When we, when we took over, it was a, a high school dance uh, on the weekend. Some guy would rent it and bring a DJ and all the high school kids from Manhattan High would come down there and dance. We were not involved with that. When did the alcohol laws change? 86. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. A high school dance club sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't speak about how popular it was or how many people <laughs> showed up, but uh, you know, we 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 took a, we we signed a lease uh-huh. and uh, remodeled it, and uh, it was a hit. Glory days. I think it was a hit. We had, and then we would have the like you said the bands because my partners uh, uh, thought we could make good money off of having bands, uh-huh. which you know we did sometimes. You know, but uh, we had, the best thing we had, the best band we had up there was the Romantics. Okay. That was really good. That was a good night. That was fun. And then, um, you know, we had like Quiet Riot. Heck yeah. Fog Hat. <laughs> Flock of Seagulls. <laughs> Which one's Fog Hat? Which, what does Fog Hat sing? Um, oh, what is Slow that? Ride. Slow Ride. Slow yeah, Ride. Okay. That's one of many. <laughs> Lonesome Dave was, is the lead, was the lead singer then. You said Flock of Seagulls, right? Yeah. And yeah, I'm, yeah, and uh, what? Who else we have? Uh, Kali. Did you get to party with anybody? No, no, no. Yeah, it sucks. Well, the flock of seagulls lead singer. He, uh, uh, we were, you know, getting people up there, and of course, these are 1980 bands, whatever. So they're kind of still a little bit popular. You know, uh-huh. it's all touring. Uh, so it was kind of busy, but uh, I'm working the the Cavalier Club, uh, and uh, he comes in. Dressed, in, you know, just dressed as a dude. Normal guy. You no, know, didn't have the flock of seagulls, you know. <laughs> the wings. The wings and the, and yeah. the stand-up hair. And, uh, you know, we just start talking. It was pretty cool. Did a couple of, uh, what was it, like rumple mints shots, you know. He goes, give me a couple. Give me a rumple. Okay. And then he got, and the next thing I know, he's up there singing Iran. You know. Did, did he start off with Iran, or did he know to, like, keep it to the end? So. I think they sing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Start off with that, then you end with that, or something. But that was fun. I mean, and then the, and then we had Sam Kennison. No. Yes. For real. For reals. He came to Manhattan. He came to Manhattan. So did you book him? Like, how yeah. do you how do you book those guys? It's uh, how does that work? Yeah, it's just like booking bands. Everybody who do you call? Band. You got someone in the yellow pages. You just find out who the, the a, manager is. Or? There's a industry magazine i can't remember what it was called what would it co- what would it cost to bring sam kennison in it was uh it was 10 grand jeez uh but uh, he did two shows and how many people could you get into the club 400 okay so you know and you're going to make your you're going to make yeah we're going to make some money okay. he was not he was he was very quiet 
No way. Right. Right, very quiet. He needed a coke guy in in Manhattan to <laughs> to get him going. But you know, he, then he well, obviously on on the stage he was the Sam Kinison that we you know know and yeah seen and uh, that's amazing that you saw that you got to see Sam yeah, Kinison. Yeah, he did two shows. Was he was he your type of humor? Did it work? Sure. I mean, I, I laugh at stuff like that when he talks about you know screaming in the mic and talks about. Living in the desert and stuff like that. Because <laughs> I was, you know, I Andrew Dice Clay has never done, like, never really got me going. Like, I get the novelty of the character, but it never was something where I thought it was like, I was always more of a, a George Carlin kind of guy that I enjoyed his humor. I think we got Sam Kinison because we could. Um, it was, because, you know, during the week, this is, this is with bands and with comedians is when, they're traveling. They're out on tour. Yeah, you know Monday through Thursday, you can get them cheaper yep. than you can Friday and Saturday. And they're probably moving through, right? Going, right. They're going, going from to Lawrence. Denver, Lawrence, Manhattan, Lawrence, Kansas City, because there's they obviously and, and Columbia, Missouri, because there's there the clubs there. Yep. So they could pick up extra cash Monday through Thursday. So uh, that's why we, I think we booked them on. I can't remember if it was a Wednesday or Thursday, and then. Not to end on a bad note, or not to end at all, but <laughs> two weeks later is when um, Sam Kinison uh, passes away on that highway. Interesting. So I think we might have been. You are at the tail end of the his career. We yeah. might have been one of the last two or yeah of his shows, which is nothing really to hang your hat on. Or anything. Yeah, Joe Rogan talks about you know how much of a the torture of being a comic, in it, you know, having to constantly be on, and um, you know. He said he talked about periods of Sam trying to dry out, but then people would just have have drugs available, and he'd mm-hmm. be like, "All right, just just gotta go, just gotta go and do it," and then and then just turn into an animal, you know? Yeah. I wonder how long his career actually was, you know? From it, it probably couldn't have been three, four no, years. No, no, it was longer than that. You think so? Yeah. Remember Jim Baker and Tammy Faye? Yeah, yeah. He, he was, you know, that's how long ago Sam was popular. Okay. So I can't remember the exact dates, but he was, you know, remember he was in that Rodney Dangerfield movie, going back to school, back to school. <laughs> he was in that, and just things, you know. Uh, and he, he grew up a pre- he grew up a pre- preacher's son. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, he did his own videos, and he did music videos. Uh-huh. I remember those. And Rodney was in them, but uh, yeah. So that was Snooky's. I mean, okay. we, it was a good time. And then Snooky's burnt down. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, Moving it, on. It wasn't Snooky's when it burned down. No. But, th- but then we, we opened up TW Longhorns across the street. You had two bars? We had three. And uh, it was called TW Longhorns because country music was really hitting it with Garth Brooks and Clint Black right. and Trisha Yearwood and all, all that genre, you know, th- that time. And so we took advantage of that because that was vacant. The old Aggie Station, uh-huh. where Tate's is now, that was... Uh, it was called the. It was uh, once again. It was just a place for sororities, fraternities to rent out and have their uh, parties. Yeah, yeah their their dances. Their dances. Yeah, sure. And then and then we did across the street. Also, uh, was we opened up a sports bar called uh, Scoreboards. Yeah, yeah. So we had the three sure. going on there in the early nineties. So we then we sold Snookies in like late ninety four, or maybe early ninety four. And just concentrated, and then we sold the scoreboards too. So we really just kind of had the Longhorns, and then um, did anybody not make money owning bars in Aggieville? Oh, sure, but I can't. 
remember. I mean, but like, wh- why? I mean, it just seems like that, you know, you can't lose. I guess if you budgeted wrong or you didn't have, you have a too expensive of a lease, you didn't negotiate properly. And if you weren't present as an owner. <laughs> and just let your employees yeah, steal from well, you constantly. Yeah, you, you had to be there. You had to work it. You had to work it a lot. Uh-huh. And that, you know, that's that's tough. Especially you have a, you know, a wife or a girlfriend. That's tough. So, um, it's, it's, uh, you can lose money that way. If and if you're not on top of it, you know, you got to pay those withholding tax quarterly, you know, a monthly, you know, you got to pay those things. Yeah. And some people don't. Some people like to hold that door money. Uh, what door money? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking the about. The admission fee. Like I just, don't know just what you're talking oh. about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that is foreign to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, Snookies, uh, we sold it and then it was called Bombers. That's and, right. And that's Sorry, Bombers burnt down. Bombers burnt down the in like, I think, 96, 95. What is the greatest bar in Aggieville ever? Well, I worked at two. So I'm going to be. I'm going to say those two. Good, you should. The Dark Horse Tavern and Bushwhackers. Interesting. I thought you were going to say the Purple Pig. No, I'm not quite there. Wasn't okay. Quite there. So, what was so good about Dark Horse? Uh, Which well, where, where is Dark Horse? You walk into Varney's uh, on the right hand side. Oh, it's downstairs, right? No. Well, no. they did have it downstairs. Oh, it did okay. It was in between Varney's original bookstore. And the campus theater mm-hmm. was Dark Horse Tavern, and uh, it was a—it's a beer bar. Uh-huh. You talk to anybody who's over fifty, maybe fifty-five, they remember Kansas, whatever. You know, eighteen to drink beer, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you drink three, two beer, uh-huh. and so the beer bars are very popular. And there was there was Brothers and Mister K's and Kites and the Rock and K and. Uh, I'm probably missing a couple others. Anyway, uh, and I, Dark Horse. Why would Last Chance not be at the top of your list? It was worldly renowned in like Playboy magazine or right that it was it was one of the best college bars yes. in the right. Just didn't 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 hit your fancy, huh? Well, no, I went there. I had my I had a roommate that worked there. You know, so uh, that was great. But Rusty's Last Chance dominated the '90s. Definitely dominated the Aggieville, mm-hmm. the nineties. Uh, but see, the Playboy magazine or whatever the magazine that did that did not come to Dark Horse or did not come to Bushwhackers, gotcha. and so that's why they weren't voted. Oh, there's some there's some backdoor deals going. No, on no, no, no of course. Okay. No, I, mean, I just DJ'd, and, and okay, Dark Horse was great with Rock and Roll Bar. Okay, and uh, but also it was this, uh, and it closed at midnight. You know, is O'Malley's probably the longest standing? Or maybe last, or uh, no, Aggie, Aggie, Lou. Aggie Lou is probably the longest standing old bar, right? Right. With the same name, I guess. Right. right. I think it's the, if I remember correctly, it's still the original. Well, that's not, yeah, it's been there since the 50s or early 50s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but the Dark Horse, that's where I learned to DJ. I was 19. I had walked on to K State football thinking I was all that. Yeah. And I wasn't. I was all. Did, did, you, did you learn a few things? Hitting, hitting a few people? Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was, I still have a couple <laughs> of friends I still uh, see and hang out, but uh, I knew exactly uh, my capabilities after probably three weeks. It's like, <laughs> no, why do you, what are you doing? What do you, why did you do this? But I had needed to get an A. Uh-huh. 
because uh-huh. I got an A, a varsity football on my a report card. It would say one hour credit A, varsity football. Wait, what? Yeah. You get a credit for playing a sport? I, I did in 1980. And you got an A. Good, got an a. good job. So I go, I wasn't getting it. You're hurt. only A in high school. No, I went to high school. This was college. <laughs> oh, college. <laughs> so I go, so my mom goes, well, Keith, you better continue because that's the only A you're getting. <laughs> so I went out. So I, What so position I, were you? Defensive back. Like I played in high school. So then I, yeah. I went ahead and did it by spring, uh, by spring semester. I went out. Uh-huh. I did spring football because I needed an A. <laughs> it was stupid because I wasn't going to play, but I was in the best shape of my life. And that's when I started DJing. Who was coach back then? Uh, coach uh, Dickey. Ah, okay. Tim Dickey. And, uh, How many games did we win that year? Oh, maybe four. Maybe really? Three. Okay. But then, you know, he's the one that took us to the Independence Bowl. Oh, is that right? Yeah, in 83, maybe 82, something like that. Uh, Who do we have on those teams? Daryl Ray Dickey, his son, was a quarterback, and Ellie Madison. Not Lynn Dickey? No. No, okay. No. Daryl so, Ray Dickey. Different and, Dickey. Yeah, and... Uh, Ellie Madison, Matt and I grad, was a good defensive end. Uh, there was uh, you know, Gary Morrill and Daryl Wild, Matt and I guys, mm-hmm. played on that team. Nice. And uh, I'm missing some other. Mark Hunley was the tailback. Yeah, just some guys. What I mean, are you able to identify, like, what are some really big changes that you see now in Aggieville that are just, it's just not the same anymore because of culture or? Well, well, okay, then moving forward. Yeah, let's so, let's. Anyway, let's, I moved forward. and got the purple pig. Yep, purple pig. Started downtown, and then in two thousand three, I wanted to expand my sports bar, which it was I have a sports bar down there, but no food. Right. Wait, did you sell scoreboards too? We did sell scoreboards to Rhett Butler and Jack Roulette. Okay. And then we had, and then we did we just did the Longhorns for a while. Then we sold that, and then I was looking for something to do, uh, and so that's when I thought of. The Purple Pig, and found a place downtown with the help of Jeff Grantham. Now, why is it called the Purple Pig? Uh, I was thinking of sports bars, Kansas State sports bar, uh-huh. and you know you gotta be careful that you can't use their likeness or whatever uh-huh. name. So I'm going purple. That's pretty much out there for anybody to use. I yeah. Think. And then I just started, and I'm this. I'm in this little. Uh, used to be the John Ball Liquor Store down there on Fourth and Houston, and oh uh, yeah, it was vacant. It's where the Bus depot terminal it used to be Greyhound. Uh-huh. Vic Vector had his gas station down there, and uh, so I'm, I'm in a little. I'm in a little building. I'm thinking purple what? Purple house. Wait, wait, but you were in the building across from uh, Houston Street yeah, Ballroom. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, and uh, I'm gonna start thing purple. Like I said, house purple shack, <laughs> purple cat. Mm. Purple dog, purple camera. Did people uh, think you were a barbecue joint? No. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I then and then, then the other animal was purple pig. Hey, PP uh, P squared, uh, things and, like that. So and that, it was a hit. It stuck, and we have a good had a good logo. How did it stick? What did what was there anything you did differently at the purple pig than your other adventures? Well, it was just it was okay. Well, I was only different a beer, location, obviously. I was only a beer bar. I didn't have the booze, so I closed at midnight. Still, that was still a thing, and uh, it was just different. It was out of Aggieville. I think was one reason why maybe it hit. Yeah, different uh, clientele, different clientele, and then after K State football game, basketball games, people that were that are my age back then, they knew me. 
from DJing at Dark Horse and Bushwhackers. And so they would come down and just have a great, great time. Uh, they're after the K-State football game. You know, sure. They would have a great time. And then a couple of the uh, K-State football coaches, I met them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would come down every now and then and uh, have a good time. And so it was good. It was good. But you know what? I, I just I didn't sell food. I, you know, I only had four little TVs in the corner. <laughs> so I needed something bigger and better. So that's when I kind of explored back into Aggieville. Yep. In 2003 is when I moved into the old scoreboard where I was before. Yeah. And uh, so to answer your question about differences. Yeah. Well, the beer, I mean, that makes sense. Just- so I, I needed booze. I mean, to sell booze, stay open till two. Uh-huh. I needed the big TVs, you know, big screens. And then I needed the satellite so I could get the NFL package and be open, you know, Sundays. Because that was really big back then, having the direct TV and, you know, the red zone and all that stuff. And just K-State football games and basketball games for away games. People did you love watch. being a bar owner? I did because I was my own boss. Yeah. And um, I didn't want somebody telling me what to do. So that's, I, mean, I didn't make a lot of money, but I, I could dictate my life, my life, my work. Uh-huh. And, you know, and. Stuff like that. So, and I and I enjoyed them once again going back to being kind of a ham, you know, show off. <laughs> you know, I like that. So, so I was down there a lot. I was down there a lot. Well, your your brand is pretty iconic when it comes to Manhattan no. bar history. People well, always love the the purple pig. Yeah, and then and then things started changing, in my opinion, about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. With the students' eyes in, uh, tuition went up. Uh, they weren't going out as much. Interesting. I think as school got a little bit more expensive. So this is my theory. I have not been proven right or wrong. So <laughs> they started working more and started going out less because they had to make up because maybe mom and dad couldn't pay for everything anymore. Interesting. So they would either get jobs and not be able to go out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then so what's that? Which they were doing from 2003 to whatever up uh-huh. to about eight or 10, 2010, or they would go home when there wasn't a home football or basketball. They would go back home and work at their summer job for the weekend to make a couple of hundred dollars because tuition went up. Right. So that clientele left me because I remember distinctly one year. We had the first awake. I, we were playing Missouri football, and I was real prepared, had everybody going. I don't know if it was the first away game or whatever, but like 19 people came at, to show up to watch the K-State-Missouri game on a Saturday. That's not very many. It's like last year I had 100. <laughs> so I went, whoa. So anyway, so sales started going down because less kids were going out. Right. And so I saw the writing on the wall. And so, and also I saw, which I think is good, is that, uh, and I, I couldn't do it because it was going to cost more money, bigger loan, and I didn't see a light at the end for me making back my money when I'm 69 years old uh-huh. or whatever I was going to be. People started, people, other bars started up in their food game. Uh-huh. Right? And so that was going to, that, that, that was going to push you to do that as well? Right. And that, and... 
and also at the time, you know, Monday through Thursday, you had to give it away almost. Your drinks and your beer, you had to, you know, $2 big beers, you know. And That's just, always been the, the case for drinking in Manhattan. It's always been the joke. It's like, it's you got 20 bucks, you're fine for the whole night. And maybe not anymore. Maybe not anymore. But back in the day, like yeah. you could, you could figure it out in Aggieville. It was the same prices as I when I was a college student. Nineteen eighty two was the same price in two thousand and three, <laughs> yeah. on Monday through Friday. How's that happening? <laughs> and so you can't give it away, uh, and when less and less people, because if you're going to give it away, it's got to be volume, 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 volume. And I'm guessing you worked sixty hours a week plus, just always there in the marina, and and you own the marina. So you worked twice as hard, burned the candle at both ends. I'm sure that was a tough lifestyle. It was. Yeah, I didn't like it after a while because we opened up Big Dog Marina in 93, and that was the year of the flood, 93. How long did you own the marina? 12 years. Okay. And uh, there hadn't been a marina on Tunnel Creek Lake for maybe six, seven years. And so my partners and I of the, of the bar, we just, hey, let's open up a marina. And that will be our summertime income. And then we'll back in the groove when school starts. Right. Win-win, baby. <laughs> uh, and then we, so we did it. And then we had to close. The first year was 93. Our first year, things were going well, but the lake was rising. And there's a, there's a little bit of a flood. And uh, we had to close uh, the Corps of Engineers and the Wildlife Park, and Kansas Wildlife Park, for safety reasons. You had to close down the lake. No one could be on the lake. That was like <sighs> July 1st. <laughs> So then it was closed through September, maybe. And then yeah, that just put us behind the eight ball for a long time. Were there ever years where it was just extremely lucrative, where you were just like, this is why we do this? Like, the bad years are, are bad, but the good years are really good. Is it, is, does, it, does it fluctuate like that? With the marina or with, just with, overall? With, with both. With overall, with the way you were kind of the, the, bars ri- the rhythm all, of your business. The bars were always constant. Okay. That, same that, that same revenue every yeah, year. That was good. That was good. Yeah, because the, because the Longhorns took off because of the country music uh, boom uh-huh. that happened from you know ninety through ninety seven. You know that was great. But the marina, it took a while. That didn't really take a while. It didn't take off. I mean, we did it because you know we had to because we had a loan and we had to pay that loan. You couldn't right. walk away from the loan, right? Because that's responsibility. That's right. People people that live people that. We knew they were on. We were on the lake, but people kept going to Milford, and that that was our competition. And we didn't know what to do. And you know, it's because the lake, our lake, rises, grabs driftwood, it floats out in the water. People drive their boats. Yeah, but Milford's got like sea mussels or something like that. Sea urchins. What are those called? But they had. They've been going through a little blue algae (laughs) thing lately. But that's. But people still go. You stay away from it. So people didn't like Tuttle Creek Lake because they always broke the prop or the lower unit and, and stuff but uh yeah it's but it's weather driven yeah so it, that was tough it was tough so uh we stuck it out for 12 years uh, i think when we sold it i think i netted about a thousand dollars i had a good tan yeah for 12 years and a, and a lot of good memories oh tremendous and life lessons <laughs> tremendous. yeah yeah it starts wearing on you a bit, a bit after a while. Yeah. But now you got into real estate. We met J.D. Higginson. Yep. Hooked us up. And Scott Munson. And Scott Munson. Referred me to you also. And we, we sat down, and uh, I was starting a little company, and uh, you, you decided to come on board. Thanks to you, 
you decided to come on board. You're the one who said, Keith, come on board. I, yeah. I tried my best. I, I liked it. I would have taken anything at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, liked, I, liked, I liked it because you and Greg uh, were, were younger mm-hmm. and more uh, bigger picture. Sure. Just let's use uh, the internet and just everything, you know, yeah, technology wise. Let's push our let's. And I I like that. I didn't want to be stuck with maybe. You see, you see a lot of people, especially in like bar industries or like even teachers, where you know you're probably not making a ton of you know revenue every year, but you are creating deep relationships. Real estate is just a great kind of transition to um, maximize, you know, those friendships that you've been making for so long. You're already in the friendship business of just service. And uh, yeah, it just, it tends to work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's and I, I was still my own boss. Yeah, that's right. So I like that aspect. And um, from Manhattan. So that was nice that you uh, came and listened and gave me the interview. Well. Or whatever you want to call well, it. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah. It's, it's been a fantastic ride. It's good. Let's it's keep good. it going. Yeah, I, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, this, I mean, I think I've been here for a long time, so uh, Manhattan's my home. Other things I've noticed about you is you're a reader. You you love to read. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're excited about what World War II novels. What what what, um, what do you get into? I, I've read those before. I'm a, a science fiction. Ah, I like science fiction. Interesting. Um, I like uh, nonfiction. So I like historical. Books like I, I have I don't know I'm not a I'm not a anything right now that you're getting into no not really just <laughs> but I but I have bought about a couple of two or three books on Teddy Roosevelt I think he's my favorite president okay so I've read, why is that why why do you why do you like him um because he he could speak four or five languages he okay. was an adventurer he did he you know established all our a lot of our national parks mm-hmm. you know uh environmentalists you know all that kind of i don't know it just just and then back of course back in the day you know america was you know go 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 and everybody else can just you know follow our lead uh-huh you know i don't know i kind of like this this uh, things like that and, he, and then he got shot and still gave a still gave a a, a talk at in new york with a bullet in him, I don't know. There's this crazy, th- and then and then after he was president, you know, he went and explored the Amazon. Hey, and it was he's a, an adventurer. It was yeah. That's he I wanted think, to see the world. I think that's so cool. That's one reason why I I, I like reading about. Were you going to be a history teacher? I was, but then I remember in college, K State, it was like you had to write all kinds of papers, and I was like, what is that? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I thought I was going to do better, and so that I went to second. So I went to education, uh, business education. Okay, which was what does that mean? You you teach two things: either <laughs> you teach accounting uh-huh. in high school, or you teach uh, shorthand, or you teach typing, keystroke. Were you a bookkeeper for all your businesses? Did you do the bookkeeping? No, we had somebody else. Okay, one of my partners. Yeah, he graduated. He was in accounting. He wasn't a CPA, but uh, yeah, he kind of knew what he was doing. I guess. Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I uh, didn't want to become a history teacher, even though I love history. Yeah. Yeah. World history, things like that. I like that. What do you read? Oh, nothing. I listen. I'm just a podcaster. 
you know, yeah. I just, I just, I absorb what people, I just absorb the spoken word. That's why you were doing this. Yeah. This is, this is enjoyable to me. Yeah. I like listening to people. Um, uh, a friend, Todd Stewart sends me articles all the time and I'm like, as soon as I scroll and like, I notice it's like at least five pages <laughs> long. I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. Like, I'm not going to spend time reading. <laughs> I, I wish, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I've just given it up. I don't like reading very much. <laughs> I don't read too good, Keith. <laughs> well, too good. Uh, especially if I can listen to it. If I can listen to someone, I feel like I just get a better understanding. I think that's it. I, that's that's the, the reason why. If I read, I feel like I probably miss more of the information than if I listen to it and then if I hear it. I can absorb it better. Can I make a suggestion? Sure, go ahead, yeah. You gotta read out loud. <laughs> no. It sounds like someone's, you're listening to somebody. Well, so I do do that, you know, a lot of times when, you know, I'm studying something with, you know, a group of people, you know, we usually do that. Of course. And that's, that's usually why, I guess, why we do that, right? Because right. it, it, makes, it makes way more sense. Um, now you probably don't want to read out loud in bed with your wife right there. No, no, that probably wouldn't be so good. So he snuck around the corner. <laughs> Look both ways. Shut up, honey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Manhattan High. Okay. Let, let's go back. All right. Why do you love it so much? What is, uh, what is it about high school that just, just has been such a, a deep involvement and commitment? Well... I guess those those coaches meant a lot to you. They I'm did. Sure. My older brother Rick graduated in seventy. He was coached by Lou Lane. Uh huh. Position coach. My brother Dan graduated in seventy six. Was on that state championship team. Had a had to think a pretty good experience with Coach Emerson. And so here I am, the youngest coming up, and uh, and then uh, you know I had an okay career. I mean I don't know. We went six and three. My senior year, very, very close with my classmates there on the football team. And, uh, you know, and then I, and then I became a coach. Now, I've, as I look back, the reason why it's, it's affected me so much, because I think those coaches, especially Lou and Butch, um, and I saw this as a peer when I was coach with them, how much of an influence they were. And so... I, 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 that's what I wanted to do, you know, is be an influence, a mentor, or whatever you want to call it, to younger kids. Oh, uh, sure. You know, make sure that they understood about responsibility and, and being a teammate and coachable and all these things that life skills yeah. through football or any other sport and or whether you're in choir or band or thespian or sports, those people affect you. And, and so what I think it is, is that you could come from a, a good home, mom and dad, you know, not a single parent. We, so even if you come from a single parent or a mom, and, a mom and dad to there in the house, these people, people, these coaches and or teachers affect you in a way that's different than your mother and father teaching you responsibility. Sure. And saying proud. They're proud of you or maybe never saying they're never saying it out loud. Yep. So here you go. You got a coach. In the weight room or on the practice field, uh, reinforcing something that, even though if your mother and father said it to you, yeah, it's it's different coming from another adult. Sure, and, especially another man too. Just right. a, just another man affirming, you know, that you're a capable of doing better things. Right, and so they get you 
to do extraordinarily extraordinary things out on the football field or in practice because you know it's somebody else that's affecting you and you want to do well for that coach and or that teacher yep. that is reinforcing maybe that you're not getting at home and uh I, I think that's why I love I love Butch and Lou so much were they uh, good at that? They were good at that. I mean, th- th- yeah, because back then, you know, it's Butch was in charge of the conditioning, mm-hmm. the weight room, you know, things like that. And then we would have the summer weightlifting program that Emerson and, and Lou started back in the late 60s, early 70s. 50, 50, were the 50 40s there? 50 40s. It's, uh, yeah. And sorry, so, 50 40s. Oh, so 40 yard dash, 50 of them. On a Thursday. It's just a go. It's you, you, you line up usually in couples, right? In twos, yes. Twos or threes, yeah. And the line just you, you're you're on the line, go. Well, and you run about seventy, seventy five percent, and then after about the fifteenth or twentieth forty, <laughs> yeah. is when they time you, and that you race. Oh, I remember with somebody. That. So they I was time too. You. I was too slow what? to even have a time, but yeah. You run, you run about two or th- you run about three of those, and then you go back. And run, finish the other twenty five at like eighty percent. That was um, to me. That was like the one of the the pinnacle like accomplishments was to was to do that. And I think everybody respected that workout and how hard it is. And uh, I, it's just it, I'm I'm glad that I went through it. Yeah. I do, they don't do that anymore, do they? Yeah, they do. It's different now. They do it it's out. Different. Of, I think they do it out of Bishop. Okay. Um, on the Thursdays, and I don't know, and so. I think the other days of the week they're up at the high school lifting, and then the Thursdays. And I, I, I don't know. I need to talk to Coach Sharp. There was exactly. there was throwing up. There was, <laughs> I mean, your yeah. side, your side would hurt. It was usually hot in the summertime. Yeah, but it, it was, was a te- it was a test though, right? Right. So Lou would be there. I mean, you paid like twenty dollars, you know, and so it was like you know, so it was like uh, a money making thing. Uh-huh. For Lou and Butch or whatever, or for the program. Uh-huh. And they would be there running the 50-40s. And then also uh, during the week, you do like a, a, a circuit mm-hmm. on the weight machine. Mm-hmm. And then you do some agilities. And then you go out and run about 15-40. So it was, it was a good thing. And it was, uh, it was a bonding thing with the, cl- with the teammates and then with, the, with the football team. Because uh, you did it for like six weeks, maybe seven weeks. And then sometimes um, you'd show up and there's... Uh, Gary Spaney, Paul uh-huh. Kaufman, the Bell Brothers uh, from Wichita that were Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, some K-State, like Daryl Ray Dickey did it sometimes. I remember someone showed up, and you know he was in college at that time, and he was so fast. But he was doing, 54, he was doing a 40-yard dash, and I remember they clocked him at like 4.01. Like <laughs> and And... and you know, and, and he was and he was just like excited because he was like, "That was my time." Everybody's like, "That can't." That this, they're like, they're "Like we obviously hit the the timer wrong." <laughs> the you handheld know? stopwatch. Yeah, the, yeah. the handheld t- stopwatch. Yeah, it wasn't like you know, right? The com the combine right. that we have now. Right. So that so that was cool in the summer, and then, um, you know, uh, it's just that's the reinforcement from those football coaches uh, really affected me. Always playing for them, and then being a coach, and seeing how they affected other, you know, when when I was older, sure, seeing how kids responded, and not all, never every single kid responded that they liked Lou, you know, or 
or they didn't like Butch, maybe. Uh, well, I'm sure they had to be have a personality of being but, tough and expecting a lot. Yeah, and that's a hard attitude to have nowadays. With with or any days, you know. Yeah, and they didn't get playing time because they thought they played favorites. Sure. You know? Yeah, and they didn't. It was just you miss practice, dude. Or <laughs> yeah, you don't know what you're doing out there, dude. Uh-huh. And there's this guy's better than you, dude. So. Oh man, I I. I didn't play. I didn't start playing tackle football till I was a freshman in high school. Well, and, and I joined that year, and I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I really didn't. I didn't know how to tackle, and I went to seven dollars. So I went to Lucky High, and oh, we yeah. played soccer during the football season instead of the you know eight man padded uh, football where you learn how to tackle, you learn what it feels like to be hit or to hit somebody else. So I had no skill. Didn't set. you have? Didn't you have? Tell me. You told me a story though. Of feeling good about hitting somebody. I had one. I had one hit. Yeah, <laughs> I was on special teams, and um, you know, kickoff. I was the wingman or whatever. I was on the the ends, and I I got to drill a guy, and that <laughs> that feeling was pure, right? Kind of like a pure golf shot, mm-hmm. where like everything clicked, hips, you know, where I hit him, um, but that was it. That was it. I got to feel a lot of hits after that. I remember, you know, trying to be safety and just watching holes open up and these big gigantic running backs just come in and I'm trying to tackle them and they just would, I mean, literally, it was like little giants. It was like they just, (laughs) they just, they would hit me. I would go in the ground and they would stomp on my corpse as they, Uh, as they, as they kept running forward. Happens to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Well, happens to everybody. I was not, and honestly, the, the the toughness I never I was not good at either. Just just the toughness of like being hit, and like oh yeah, that's just going to give me a bruise. Like to me, I was just like, ow, that's going to hurt. <laughs> that bruise stayed there for a stinger stayed with you for three or four days. It's, well, di- it's different, man. It really is. I don't think people really understand. Um, I know I didn't, and if I didn't really go through that, I. The, the the things that football players do to hurl themselves at other people, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else in your life that you will experience any, anywhere close to that where, that, you know, basketball, I love basketball, but you're never piling on top of people. You don't see someone with a basketball and go, I'm going to throw my head at his head and let's just see what happens. I don't, you just get used to it? Yeah. Yeah, and you just love it, I guess. Yeah, and in a, in a subconscious way, you know, the coaches are teaching life skills, you know, because they, they equate it to life, right? Sure. And it's and it's true, like you said, you were playing free safety or whatever. Yeah. The hole opens up, this big guy's running at you. What do you do? Do you cower away or do you run up and try to hit the guy? You close your eyes and pray that well, you, you know, can do something. So, so <laughs> later on in life... That's just one example about making a tackle or catching the football or yeah. wanting the ball come to you and you in life whether you're sitting in a office or wherever sure. and it's your turn to present your thoughts and or your project or whatever yeah if you played football or any type of sport or you sang a solo or whatever you've learned to take that challenge and equate it to the work Okay. And well, you're not afraid. That makes sense. And I would say, I guess I had that, but it was in performance because right. 
you know, obviously I'm not getting tough or being hurt or, you know, challenging the the denseness of my my forearms, but that's why I like the arts. I like the arts that it's one time, I mean, you do a performance many times, but it's when you get up there, it better be your best or you're going to look like a fool and you don't want to look like a fool. And it's unfor- it's unforgiving tension, in my opinion. Now, you could do a bad performance and your mom could come up to you and say, you did great. <laughs> but if you ever get on stage and, and mess up your lines, you know it's just, that's just awful. Yes. Or you mess up the you mess up the whole production for for everybody else, and that that's your responsibility. So I I, I learned that in the arts. I think that's yeah. that's a good place to to you know test those life lessons. Um, the other thing is if you if you hit, if you making the tackle, trying to make the tackle, or yeah. you shy away, how do you respond the next time? Do you shy away again? Or do you make the tackle? And sometimes later on in life, that's a reflection of yeah. maybe giving up and not pursuing when, when things are hard. Yeah. Because that's it's in your DNA, maybe, that you didn't accept that challenge when you were 15 or 17. I don't want to dig deal deep here, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, it's um I felt like a quitter though when I did quit football and I didn't go out for it sophomore year. Now I felt like a physical limitations were were pretty justified. Um, you know, the away games I wasn't even making the the, the road the squad, travel the squad. travel squad. <laughs> so, but that's but that's different. That's different because you did you're you're picking. But if you stick with it, yeah, and and if you keep failing, but you stick with it, mm-hmm. and you, that's that's another life lesson. Sure, I, I went out my. Sophomore, junior, senior year, I didn't start. I was made the travel team. I was on the kickoff and the punt return and the punt team. But maybe I didn't play maybe maybe six downs in the actual varsity. But you stuck with it. Yeah. And that, once again, is a life skill. Absolutely. Now, quitting because you, you know that, well, I don't like getting hit or I know that I'm not fast enough mm-hmm. or I know that's not – some, that's not the same thing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You found you found the the, the 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 arts, yeah, or whatever else, or if, if it, even even if you didn't like the football and you started working at the convenience store after school, there's nothing that's fine. I mean, right. you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. It's just what the coaches and the sports teach you that you take with you into your adult life. That maybe it does help uh, in some situations. Is that what you think about sometimes? Is those 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 life lessons when yeah. when even now when well I'm almost sixty so I think I've learned other things but yeah when it was oh, when we we're doing the bars you know and you get your first big loan to do things like scary. that it's scary but you learned to accept that challenge mm-hmm. and that responsibility not and also mother and father taught you those things too yeah but you learned other things through whether it was my choral teacher. In high school, Dr. David Bauer, or like I mentioned, the other football coaches, or about four or three, um, you know, high school teachers that yeah. I liked, you know, and if influenced me to become secondary education. Well, Keith, I thought this this podcast was going to be a little bit more on the jokey side, but it turns out that you have some wisdom to bestow on me, and I am very, very thankful. And for anybody out there that gets to meet Keith Eyestone, you are lucky. 
to be, because I am lucky that he is in my life. And uh, I, I look, I look so forward to when we get to listen to some John Denver on my front porch there, brother. <laughs> of course. And I know how to take a compliment. So if anybody wants to compliment <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. next time you please do. <laughs> Thanks for uh, showing up, You're Keith. welcome. You're welcome. Bye, guys.